This is Pastoring Out Loud, a podcast for Bethlehem Baptist Church's South Campus in Lakeville, Minnesota. Are you interested in learning more about our church? Well, you should just come sometime and check it out. But if you're not interested in coming, you could also go to Bethlehem.church forward slash south. Dave, more than any other time on any other podcast, I've gotten questions about your tooth. How's your tooth? <laughs> That's really, really sad. Um, my your tooth, tooth is sad? No, just that that's what you've gotten more questions about than anything. I think I it went, just shows that people care about you. Well, that's kind. That's not sad. That's kind. I feel uplifted. I uh, I went back into the dentist with apparently a lot of prayers in my direction, and uh, they retested my tooth, and I did not have to get a root canal. So it was good news. Could you say the first word that you said again? <laughs> what, what, what kind of canal? A root canal. <laughs> root canal. That's that's or, great. Or root. Well, today <laughs> on the podcast, we have several people in the room. I just kind of walked through the office and said, hey, who's available? So we have both Stacy Thorpe, who's coordinator for care counseling at South. Hi, Stacy. Hi, Daniel. And we have a special guest, Andy Lang, who is the IT master chef for all of Bethlehem. Hi, Andy. Hi there. Great to have you. And then Ethan's in the corner here. He may or not may not be included. He's kind of the guy that records everything. I might shove the mic in his face. We will see. Well, today, particularly, we wanted to take one podcast and just kind of reflect and talk. Uh, this last week, uh, this last Saturday, was the 20th anniversary of the September 11, 2001 attacks. We thought we would take just a podcast to reflect a little bit on it, talk a little bit about our personal remembrances of it, and then maybe to look at one particular scripture text, just think a bit about the sovereignty of God when such catastrophe happens. So, Dave, where where were you on 9-11? I uh, was in choir. Uh, yeah, I would have been, I think, a sophomore in high school. And I was in the choir room. I remember that we went and pulled the TV from some janitor's closet. I, I remember that because I went and got it. And we sat there. And I think I think what we did is we sat there for an hour. And then we kind of transitioned to our next classes. And it was on in our next classes. And I think we all went home. Uh, I think that they... Let you out early. Co- ...coordinated to get everyone and just let them go home and be with their families. So, yeah. And I just... I remember mainly feeling confused um not not really afraid right away but just just confused i i I didn't understand what was happening how about you stacy i was in my senior year at bethel university were you engaged to peter at the time we were newly engaged like three days or so oh you got engaged on september 8th 2001 um i actually don't remember the date okay but it was like like, three days yeah around there so and i was actually student teaching at New Life Academy in Woodbury. So I remember, I think it was like the first hour or something of the day, and I was in a social studies class, and we just all brought the kids to the gym and just had the news on all day and just kind of in shock, I think. Yeah. Yep. Wow. What about you, Andy? I was at the time working as an engineer for a sales off. We had a sales office in Burnsville for a company that was based on the East Coast. And when I was heading to work was when I first caught the news of what was going on. But it wasn't until a little later that the reality of what was actually happening 
became apparent. And um, as it, as I remember, I was the only one in the office that day. So it was kind of weird. I was alone in this yeah. sales office, in, you know, kind of out of the way. And we didn't have a television or anything, you know, no cable news or anything. And back then the Internet's capacity to show you video or audio was somewhat limited. Yeah. So it was a little tough trying to pick up what was happening. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Ethan, what about you, man? Um, I was in first grade, uh, elementary school, very early elementary school. And, um, I first heard about it on the news, uh, before going to school. School at that time started at nine 30 in the morning. So back when it was pretty late, like two years later, it changed to seven 45. Um, but at that time it was, it was nine 30 and yeah, I first, first saw on the news and then went to class and our teacher talked about it for a little bit. Um, and then we went through the day and started watching more news when, when we got home that evening. For me, it was day five, I think of Chick-fil-A. I had started uh, working at a Chick-fil-A at a mall in Cincinnati on September 5th, uh, the Tuesday after Labor Day in 2001. So I was getting ready uh, and turned on. In those days, I listened to a lot, a lot of classical music constantly. Uh, let's hear it for Baroque music. So I turned on <laughs> NPR to list, just to listen to music as I was getting ready. And it was like, I don't remember, it was a little bit after nine. Um, and it was after the first two planes had hit, but before the Pentagon was hit. And I just turned it on and the news was coming on. At like nine twelve, I don't remember. It was it was off, which they only would ever have news on on the half hour. So I was like, "Oh, this is odd." And right away, you know, two planes have run into the, have uh, been flown into the World Trade Centers. You knew right away it wasn't an accident, but an attack. So, how would you say for you guys, anybody that wants to jump in here, how did the events of nine eleven shape, um, you know, your life at the time? Um, where were you at? I mean, I'll, I'll just kind of an idea of where I'm, I'm going at here. So the, the Bush-Gore election had just been 10 months prior or so. And that had gone all the way to the Supreme Court. I was very involved uh, on, in a number of ways as an 18-year-old, as much as an 18-year-old could be in politics. Um, I later went on a few years later to work for the GOP and the Family Research Council. So it was very like, this is the biggest possible deal. Um, and I think uh, over the next several years, I was relatively, I was a new Christian, really, just had been a Christian for about two years at that point. Uh, I think what took place over the next number of years was a slow um, realization of um, my allegiance to my country is a big deal. And, um, you know, my country being at war uh, then pushed me in the direction of wanting to be faithful as a Christian and less so as a political uh, activist, something like that. That's very much what ended up happening for me. What about for you guys? Like, what were you guys at? How big a deal was it to you? Did it affect you in any significant way at the time or in subsequent years? At the time, um, I had started taking classes at both Bethel Seminary 
and also with, the, at the time, the Bethlehem Institute. So I was already kind of moving in the direction towards sensing God's call to ministry in some capacity, but not really knowing what it was. Um, and the events of 9-11, I think, uh, gave me a sense that um, the world is still in, <laughs> you know, the, the world is still in, in a place of uh, needing the gospel. Um, as I recall back then, there was, oh, what was the, was it Francis, uh, I'm trying to remember his name, is it Fukuyama, who was talking about the end of history Oh yeah, back then? Yep. And um, it was kind of a, kind of an interesting time to be speculating about you know what where the world was going to be going at that point, and just the shock of nine eleven and and the shock of seeing so many institutions and things that had just been regarded as, if not impervious to something like that, at least, um, you know, the only time that you'd ever seen a building hit like that or, you know, the Pentagon attacked was in a movie. And so there was a sense of we're, we're, we've kind of transitioned into what felt like fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. I I had the thought in those days, I would read a lot of Tom Clancy novels. Yeah. yeah. I I thought, in fact, the plot of one of the end of, a Tom Clancy novel is an airliner uh, yep. being utilized to attack the Capitol, yep. actually. And that came out like a decade or something like that before 9-11. Um, yeah. What about for you, other, for you others here? I think like what Andy was saying, it was not the first like unsettling event for me personally, but I think on a national you know, scale, it felt that way. And having been a history minor in college and like, you know, learning about world wars and like previous things, like, you know, you don't know until it happens, like, oh, I'm living through something that significant. Um, and so just kind of that being unsettled and, um, just the question of like, are we safe? Is there going to be something else that happens? Um, wrestling through that. I remember going to at Bethel, you know, at a Christian university, there was prayer meetings and just a lot of extra things like that. Um, that helped, I think us process that together, but, you know, on a bigger scale, kind of wrestling with, are we safe? And then, you know, it feeling odd when there was no planes, like just hearing no airplane noise, like all the flights are shut down immediately after. Um, yeah, just wrestling through that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, being a young high school kid, I probably didn't take in nearly as much as I should have in those moments. The main things I remember are, um, and I was not that mature of a high school kid, so for all you high school kids listening, I hope you're a lot further along than I was and you would take it all in. <laughs> but I, uh, I I remember two things. I remember one, or maybe three things, the kind of the unsettledness, you know, what's happening? Are we going to war? Is war coming to us? You know, like coming to our shores? Is that going to happen? Is there more to this? Um, so that felt unsettling. I remember pretty quickly developing like a deep sense of unity, you know, with, you know, and I I remember that being one of the 
maybe one of the sweeter things that came out of it. It just felt like one of the times, even at a young age growing up, where it didn't feel like an us versus them all the time in politics and in our country. It felt like, oh, we have something to unite around. And that was that was powerful. And I do remember thinking for the first time, it felt like I had an enemy. Um, so, you know, like even the, the Bible verses, love your enemies. I think it was maybe the first time I felt like, you know, as a sophomore in high school, man, there's real enemies that actually want to hurt you. Uh, and I remember at the time at landing, you know, I knew that they, that, that, um, jihadists, you know, I knew that they certainly hated the West in general, but even more particularly, really, really hate Christians um, because uh, that's what they're told to do. Um, and that's that's what, what they're, for jihadists, that's what their religion is based around. So I remember feeling like, um, man, what does that mean? <laughs> what, what does it actually mean to love my enemies? Um, those, are the, those are the things that stand out. Yeah, for me, um, you know, thinking back on those days as a relatively new Christian, and not really being acquainted with any deep roots in uh, Reformed theology. Um, you know, my sense of that time was very much, this is out of control. Um, I did not have a sense of the providence of God, the sovereignty of God over events. It very much was, in, in many ways, I had been discipled by the political realm to think in terms of us versus them when it was Bush v. Gore um, and to think of us versus them, be it Christianity and Islam, probably thought of America uh, having been uh, acquainted with some Doug Phillips and uh, some other teachers in my early years that very much equated um, manifest destiny and other things about uh, you know America's purpose in the world with the purpose of the gospel and Christianity, which now, you know, 20 years later, I would say, no, absolutely not. But in those days, it's very much the providence of God was a backseat. It's a time for us and them. What about for you guys? In the moments uh, in and after 9-11, thinking about the providence of God, did you guys have a sense of, yeah, God is provident over this, like, uh, and as the nations rage and... Um, you know, he, uh, we're going to turn, I think, to Psalm 46 here in a minute. Well, why don't we just turn to Psalm 46 and just catch a vision for what some of the, the Bible teaches about this? So I, I do remember this being, and I, I want to say it was President Bush the night of, uh, although it might have been subsequent to that, but the just these verses being read somewhere by some public figure. So God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Um, and then a few verses down, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter, he utters his voice, the earth mounts, the Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. And there are other, other texts here. Um, but uh, do you have a sense like this, that this was real and true in, during 9-11 or subsequently? I 
I mean, I, I don't, I don't think I did. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't very deeply acquainted with the kind of just robust view of God's sovereignty I have now. I was actually talking to someone, I can't remember who it was, and obviously, you know, the whole COVID situation in the last year felt like chaos in, in lots of ways. It's a very different thing than 9-11, but sure. just as far as living in an unprecedented, unsettling, what's going on kind of time, and it was so much, there's so much more rest this last time through it because I believe Psalm 46. Um, I think I think at at that time it was just kind of looking around, hoping, uh, you know, the president or the military or someone would do the right things <laughs> to keep us safe. Um, and what does it mean to love people that don't want me to be safe? And so, but but more uncertainty. Not that, that, not that I didn't know God is sovereign. If you would have asked me, is God sovereign? I would have said, yeah, sure. But it, it didn't press its way into any of my practical day-to-day thinking or sturdiness. I was looking at other things to be sturdy for me at that time. Yeah, I think I would similarly say that, you know, I had a, a theological understanding that God was sovereign and maybe a little bit more, there was some more than a little bit of, of comfort and, and respite that that gave. Um, but it didn't completely stave off the sense of vulnerability and kind of, we, we are in uncharted territory right now. Um, kind of wondering what is our government going to do? What will the impact of that be on our relationship with the world? What will that mean for the efforts of of missions um, that are going on around the world, knowing that America's role in missions uh, back then and still is very significant and the association of a lot of missions organizations with America and just kind of worrying that the the conflict that was going to that seemed likely to be coming just wondering what its impact would be on many people that i knew lived abroad and were all were in hard places and what the what this meant for the the advance of the gospel throughout the world um knowing that god wasn't surprised by what happened that morning and and God was going to be using that along with many other things that I didn't know about uh, to to bring about the, the spread of the gospel to places that hadn't been reached before. Right, in which we've seen yeah. in 20 years, including, you know, Afghanistan's been in the news recently with missionaries and others fleeing from Afghanistan. None of those doors would have been opened, and again— whatever you might think about the political ragings of nations and uh, just war, not just war, um, and the reasons utilized for us going to war, certainly the gospel has advanced in the intervening 20 years um, some different ways. Stacy, you want to add anything? Well, I don't really remember what I was, you know, feeling and thinking 
a lot <laughs> 20 years ago, but you were um, probably thinking a lot about Peter. I was like, I got a wedding to plan. I got to graduate, you know, but, um, yeah, I, this is just the Psalm that came to mind when you brought up this topic and, you know, when there's scary things happening, um, and chaos all around us, you know, that later in the Psalm, be still and know that I am God. Like we, I can be still before the Lord, even when there's scary things happening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, that doesn't mean I'm not going to be scared or that I might not be, you know, hurt in some physical sense, but, um, I can be still before him and he's a refuge. A uh, podcast that came out recently uh, in the last week or so was recorded. It's a Gospel Coalition podcast, and their first couple episodes were on remembering 9-11. And there they talk both with a couple uh, that was living in Manhattan, with Tim Keller, with Mark Dever, with John Piper, about their various responses and how they all highlighted the sovereignty of God and our desperate need. Uh, and I've thought over the last couple years just in terms of the responses of various churches and various pulpits across America, not just our own, but those that I'm familiar with in other parts of the Midwest and in other places, and just the response of those that highlighted the sovereignty and goodness of God, uh, the truth of the gospel in comparison to other, uh, perhaps, uh, priorities that were highlighted as we entered into, uh, the, you know, after the killing of George Floyd and the civil unrest that followed, and COVID and a really contentious election season. Um, the truest things remain true regardless of the circumstances, um, which is part of the reason that I love Psalm 46, part of the reason I love Psalm 2, mm -hmm. and the reminder that again and again, the Lord is in heaven doing what he pleases. Um, and we trust that it's always for redemption. Anything else that anyone else would like to add? Thanks so much for joining us today, everybody.